I want us to be sensitive this morning to the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, Jeremiah chapter number 2. Jeremiah chapter number 2. Jeremiah chapter number 2. I'm going to read one verse in our hearing this morning. And we're just going to let the Lord lead us this morning. We know that the book of Jeremiah is a, is a book that deals much with the individual that the book is named after. It is the longest of the prophetic books, and it tells the story of a reluctant message uh, Jeremiah, he spent 40 years delivering uh, an unwelcome message to an idolatrous people, people that had lost their way, that had really gone after everything but God. We find that there was such resistance to the message that even those within Jeremiah's family desired to take his life. Can I tell you, not everybody is open to the truth. Not everybody wants to hear. But whether people want to hear or not does not change the fact that it's truth. And I know that there's a lot of things going on in our world, and there's a lot of people that would say that, well, your Bible's outdated, it's no longer relevant to our society, and the list goes on. And we have saw such resistance, and we have saw such increase in demonic behavior in recent years. And it's amazing to me how no one wants anything to do with our God but yet they're very quick to blame him for everything. They don't want to acknowledge that he exists, but yet then they turn around and they acknowledge that he's the problem. So how can he be the problem if he doesn't exist? Just a question this morning. You know, over the last few years, we have saw a very open display and really an open attack against people people of faith in many arenas, but especially in from all the way from middle school and elementary school to high school and beyond, we saw a great attack upon men and women of faith when they began to express their faith in a public setting, especially in the sports arena. You can't do that. But isn't it ironic that when death comes, when nobody knows what to say, can I tell you this morning, I am grateful for the grace and the mercy of God that's been extended to our nation and where he's still getting our attention and when the world says that he can't. But this morning, I, I want to be honest with you that God has 
chosen to use the entity that he created, the church, and he's still desiring to use it to be the voice of reason as well as to be the salt and the light in the world in which we live. And we find in Jeremiah chapter number 2, there is a message in this little verse that I came across and it just began to speak great volumes to me. And for a subject matter this morning, the ladies may like this little scenario that I'm going to give. Men, we get kind of bored with it, but I want to talk to you about a wedding for a few moments here in a minute. But I want to talk to you about the bride this morning for a little bit. We find that in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse number 32, let me read our text and then we're just going to dive in this morning. As you stand for the reading of the word, if you're able, if you're not, I understand. But Jeremiah chapter number 2, verse number 32. It says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. I want to read it again. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. If the Lord would help me for a few moments for a subject matter this morning, I want to talk to us about the unattractive bride. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you for the worship that has been present. I thank you for Holy Spirit that I sense ever present in this very moment of time. Lord, I pray for the next few moments that your word would penetrate our hearts and beyond, and it would touch the inner man inside of us in such a manner that when we walk from this place, we will walk with determination, with zeal, and with vision today to be that which you're calling us to be in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this morning. Our focus today is upon the question that is presented in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse number 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? The obvious answer, especially for the ladies in this room, is no with capital letters. Let us be honest that what would the wedding day be without the dress, the jewels, the perfect pair of shoes, and the flowers, and all of the other, us guys would say, senseless things you put us through. But what would that day really be? A couple of things that you have probably heard multiple times if you have attended any form of wedding ceremony or marriage celebration is, oh, did you see her dress? Anybody ever hear that one? 
Or you might have heard, isn't she stunning? What about those flowers? Or what about this? Or what about that? Here's the thing that you probably have never really heard. How awesome that groom was. <laughs> no, never heard that. What an amazing scripture passage the preacher used. Now, none of those things resonate when you're at a wedding. Let's be honest. Now, we understand that the bride, while she is a beautiful person before that wedding day, on that day, she walks differently because of what she is clothed in. Her wedding attire most often is not something she just slipped on that day, okay? It often has been specifically tailored for her. Therefore, her attractiveness is the result of many consultations and fittings and alterations that has been done privately beforehand. See, I am a father, not just of a son, but of a daughter. And I can remember these things. I can remember when y'all trying to lace up the back of those dresses and everything and you hear, uh, and all of this kind of stuff that's going on because you gotta, everything gotta be right. And then you say, oh, it's beautiful. And then the following thing that you say, oh, that's beautiful. Well, if it's beautiful, we were supposed to stop there, right? But you all don't do that because, oh, it's beautiful, but now we, we need to take this in and then we need to do this. And sounds like it's a mess to me, but you guys say it's beautiful, you know, but it all has to be done. And then so, and you don't do that in just one trip, right? How many, how many times do you drive to Cincinnati or Indianapolis to, to the place that is, oh, I, it's the perfect dress, but yet you got to go 50 times to make it perfect. Doesn't make any sense to me. If it was the perfect dress, why you got to go get it altered 50 times? I, I don't understand. But what I'm saying is that all of this work goes into this, all right? And then the day comes. And the ooing and the aweing makes it all worth it, is what they say. Now, I think I could have invested a lot of that money in other places and got more results, but it's okay. It is what it is. That's another conversation. Because entitled is that, oh, well, i just just going to spend just a little more. Just, i got to get off track. I, stay focused. Stay focused. So, Okay, so we find that what I'm saying to us today is that it just doesn't happen. There is great pains that is taken. There is large investments that is made. 
for several months, several weeks that lead up to the moment where the bride presents herself. And while the day is one of everlasting covenant between two people, and we understand that, for those in attendance, however, it is much about the beauty and the power of the experience that is happening in that moment. Now, I say all of that to remind us that you and I, we are the bride of Christ. Revelations chapter number 19, verse 17 and 8, uh, verse 7 and 8, rather. John is writing, he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the, or let me back up, I'm sorry. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made ready herself. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Please hear me. John makes it very clear that we are perceived in the eyes of God as the bride of Christ. The prophet Isaiah writes the following in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10 and 11. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. And as the bride adorneth herself with jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud. And as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to grow and to spring forth. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. I share all of this with us to ask the question this morning. How attractive is the bride? Notice Isaiah makes it clear that he does not dress himself in Isaiah 61. But he said... I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Why is the question that must be asked. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. Notice with me. And he hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. How is it today, especially in the Western world, that we have arrived at the decision that it is no longer necessary for you and I, as men and women of faith, to be alone with God. If we are not alone in a private manner, how is it, I ask the question, that he is supposed to clothe us or to dress us as he did Isaiah? Please hear me. The bride wears garments that has been made specifically for her. In the spiritual realm, you and I, we are the bride of Christ, and therefore there is garments that has been specifically made for you and I. But let's look at the last part of our scripture text this morning it says, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. If we speak in modern day English that you and I are 
comfortable with, it is this. My people have went many days without speaking to me. Please hear me. I stand before you today without reservation and I declare to you this morning that the only way we will ever make a change is if we go back to heaven's dressing room. It isn't going to be done through a song. It isn't going to be done through a message. It isn't going to be done through your favorite preacher or our next conference. It will only take place when men and women of God once again become attractive and we can only become attractive to the masses when we are arrayed in the proper attire. One may ask, how do we get there? It is very simple. It is simply by you and I making the decision to rebuild the altar at our house. Prayer is the foundation upon which everything else is built. But yet it is the one thing that we do the least amount of. Notice Samuel Chadwick, he made this statement. The devil laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Can I say that again this morning? The devil laughs at our toil and he mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Why is it you think that every time you get to a place where I'm going to pray and read that suddenly your mind becomes wandering? Why is it that every time you think I'm going to get away and do this, the phone rings and somebody's called you that had called you for three months? There is always opposition to prayer. And the reason for it is because that is the place where the garments of salvation are kept. Now, please stay with me. I, I, I'll get you excited maybe in a few moments. There has been, never been anything take place in the kingdom of God that had any attractiveness to it whatsoever that was not built on the foundation of prayer. The great revivals of yesterday that caused men to travel the globe even when they did not have the comforts of travel that we currently have and that they spent all that they had just to get there all started from a place of prayer. Why is it that we see throughout history the church has been so attractive at times that men would let everything else stop in their life just to go? Simply because someone or a handful of someone's decided to pray. The bride is only attractive, get this, the bride is only attractive to the masses when she is adorned in her wedding attire. Notice with me, a young man, a young woman, they fall in love. He says, oh, she is the best thing since sliced bread. His eyes can't look on another. He is obsessed with her. He wakes up thinking about her. He goes to bed thinking about her. Throughout his day, he thinks about her. And it's, uh, she is the greatest, greatest thing. 
But every day of her life, all around her, people are walking by and paying no attention to her because they're not attracted to her. But on her wedding day, when everybody has been invited to the ceremony and the garment is on and the attire is right and the stage is right and everything is set, everybody is focusing on the one that nobody was focusing on before. Because of the attire, because of the setting. Please hear me. The bride is only attractive to the masses when she is adorned in her wedding attire. Why is it that not that many years ago, honestly, in Cane Ridge, Kentucky, a little bitty meeting house had just a handful of people that began to pray and ask God for a move of God? So somebody says, we're going to have a special service on a Saturday. And all of a sudden, unknowing to him, there began to be a drawing of the Holy Spirit because what had happened is that little country group of people had been in a place of prayer and in the spirit realm, God had began to put garments of salvation on them. And all of a sudden, not advertised on social media, not on the airways of the six o'clock news, not flooding the nation, but all of a sudden word began to float and all of a sudden everybody's in transit to come to a little place called Cane Ridge, Kentucky. Hundreds, thousands show up. What in the world's going on? The bride become attractive. So many people ends up coming, the meeting house can't hold it and they realize they have a problem. So they take this and this will really mess with you if you read the history of it. They ended up getting preachers that was there that was committed and said, and it didn't matter where they came from. They had Presbyterian, Methodists, and Baptists, and, and Pentecostals. And they all said, you take a group here, and you take a group there, and take a group here. And all throughout that ridge, men found themselves standing on cut-down tree stumps. And they said there was no disorder whatsoever, but they all began to preach and they was all preaching that Jesus saves and delivers. And there was no chaos going on, but multiple people, eight, nine people at a time was preaching on that ridge with hundreds of people in front of each one. The bride was attractive and people began to call out to God. But all of a sudden, in the midst of that, there was a lady that was a lady of faith that had two young daughters with her. And they were standing there, and all of a sudden, they began to wail, and they fell down to the ground. And they was lifeless. It disrupted. All of a sudden, the mama begins to fan, trying to wake them up, and they won't come too. Two young ladies laying there like they're dead. After about an hour, one of them moved so they realized they wasn't dead and moved and just kind of groaned and said, God have mercy and went back out and laid for another extended period of time. And that kept on on for a few hours and all of a sudden her countenance began to change and it went from God have mercy on us to standing and saying, 
oh God, how we love you. And in that moment, they said that this young girl's voice was almost amplified by a supernatural force. And she began to preach under the power of God. And the one that was laying on the ground for hours saying, God have mercy on us is now standing with a glow about her full of life and joy and begins to preach that Jesus loves and that he saves. And all of a sudden, this, and there's a crowd begins to gather. Hundreds and thousands began to be focused on this young girl standing on this ridge. And all of a sudden, the same thing that had happened to her and her sister began to happen to everybody that was around them. And they said there was hundreds that began to fall out. And everybody thought they was dead almost other than the few moans and grown saying God have mercy on us uh, but yet then they came into a place where they experienced everlasting life what am I saying in a moment there was something that transitioned because there was a change of garment or raiment. Their attire began to make them attractive. I want to preach to somebody this morning. I don't care how good you get at doing religious activities. I don't care how polished we become or how sophisticated we become. I don't care how proper we conduct ourselves to say, oh, we got to be relevant. Listen, I believe in being decent and in order. That is the scriptural way of doing things. But however, I'm here to tell somebody, the church in America, we decided that we no longer needed the garments of salvation that Isaiah talked about. And now we have a generation that's dying and going to hell while they sit in our churches every Sunday, every Wednesday. We got to get back to where we become an attractive bride again, where somebody says, I got to have what they have. Can I tell you this morning, there is a world that needs Jesus, but they can't see him because the church doesn't have the right garment on. I'm going to preach while you sit there this morning. Just tell your neighbors, say, just pull that seatbelt a little tighter. There might be a little turbulence, but you're going to make it to the destination, all right? We are fooling ourselves this morning if we think the Father is pleased with the garments that we are currently wearing. Oh, I'm not going to be a clothesline preacher. Just take a breath. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about he gets no glory when his children are wearing the garments of the world. The garment of compromise brings him no pleasure. The garment of pleasure gives him no satisfaction. The garment of entertainment doesn't get him excited. What moves the father is when one of his begins to call on his name. It changes everything. You read of a story in the Gospel of Luke often referred to as the prodigal son. The Bible says that this man had two sons and his younger said, give me that which is mine. And he goes to a far country, says that he wastes his substance on riotous living. Would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. But then he came to himself, it says. 
And he said, there is more than enough at my father's house. I'm no more worthy to be called a son, but I'll go tell him I'll be a servant if he'll just let me come back. Anybody remember that story? While he was yet a great way off, the father saw him, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. But then he stops and he turns to his servant. What does he say? Go get the best robe. There was a garment. He said, my son's not going to wear what he's got on. He can't operate and live in what he's got on because that has not been specifically made for him. Now we could go really deep into that this morning, but for the sake of time, we don't. But you will find that if you was a family of any substance whatsoever, there was specific colors uh, that was embedded into the garments. That way, they knew who you belonged to. So he said, that's not the colors of this house, so you're not going to operate in that. But he said, but, I, but I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against God. But he said, listen, I ain't worried about you yesterday. I'm worried about your present. Uh, and the present right now, is you got the wrong colored garment on and, and I got it first thing first thing I got to do is uh, after I've showed you that I love you is I got to change your garment uh, and I can't change your garment until you got in my presence uh, and now that you're in my presence I'm going to put a garment on you but I'm also got a ring for your finger which is authority and I got shoes for your feet because everybody going to know you're my boy uh, because servants wore uh, didn't wear shoes they was walking barefoot he said listen no, 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 no. I'm going to make you attractive again. But he said, oh, I, don't, I took everything from my father's house. But what he did not know, oh, I feel like preaching this morning while you sat there like a bunch of Baptist people this morning. Can I tell you this morning? He said, while you're sitting there and while you're just going through the motions, can I tell you? He said, what you don't realize is in my closet, I've got a, I've got a robe just for you. What I've got in my house is I didn't give you everything you thought you had coming. Uh, there is something reserved uh, in my chamber for you. Can I tell you right now, thank you Holy Spirit, uh, what I'm hearing right now is this, uh, that the enemy says I, I done took everything from the church. Uh, I done took everything. Uh, but the Lord says I got something reserved uh, for such a time as this, uh, for such an hour as this. Uh, listen, uh, the enemy said I done took their anointing. Uh, I done took their power. Uh, I done took their authority. But what they don't realize uh, that is in the heavenly garments, uh, there is still a garment of power. Uh, there's a garment of authority. There's a garment of revival. Hear me this morning. Tell your neighbor, maybe they'll listen to you a little better than they are to me this morning. Say, you don't know it yet. Go ahead and tell them. But you are about to become attractive. Turn to the other side, tell your other neighbor, say, you don't know it yet. You're about to become fine. <laughs> Hear me. Enemy says it's over. Enemy says 
It's over. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. He saw it when it was a great way off. He said, I know that he thinks I gave him everything that belonged to him. But what he doesn't know is that in my chambers, there's a, there's hanging a garment with his name on it. I got to tell somebody, I know you, I know you don't maybe feel it yet this morning, but listen, there's a garment with your name on it. Can I just stay there for a moment? Let that sink in for, for a moment. There, 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 there's, there's a garment with, with your name. I, I, know that you, I know that you're scarred. I, I, I know that you've been bruised. I, I, I know that the world's chewed you up, spit you out. And, and I, I know all this stuff. Is, and I know when you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see. But, but can I tell you, there's a, there's a garment with your name on it. It's been hanging there, just waiting. See, it wasn't made for the elder son. He had his garment. It wasn't made for the servants. It was made for the one that wasn't yet acknowledging him. So I don't stand here with doom and gloom today, but I come here to tell you that I just come to serve notice on the devil, really, that while he's walking around telling everybody, oh, it's so unattractive. Well, you just wait, devil, till you see us get our new garments on. You, you, you ain't seen us in our, in our glory yet. You, you haven't seen us dressed in the manner that he's going to dress us in this season. I hope somebody's getting past the words this morning and letting this resonate in their spirit. Uh, He said, I have means to reclothe him. What he doesn't know is that in his possession, there's everything that was needed to make him Attractive again. Notice there's many things that I could talk to you about concerning the garments of faith, but I must hurry this morning and see the garments of salvation or the garments of faith, they they create a atmosphere, they create a change. And when someone is walking in the garments of salvation, there is some things that are just givens. That means that there's going to be Love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The fruits of the spirits that you read of in Galatians 5, those began to be what array this garment and the garments of salvation. And when people are wearing those garments of salvation, we walk differently, we talk differently, our, our, our demeanor is different, our, our desires are different, and all of these things. So please hear this preacher today. There can be no changing of the garments, however, unless we decide to enter into his presence. He's not going to force himself upon you. 
But in your Bible, you will read these words. I stand at the door and knock. He's been knocking for some time on the door of the American church, simply saying, would you please open up to me? What they don't realize is this, that what he has in his possessions is not rules and regulations, but he has garments. He has purchased the most valuable garments for his bride to wear. The garments of salvation. What are these garments? It's freedom, it's deliverance, it's praise, it's power. It's the ability to be that which he's equipped and called us to be. And for those who allow him to place those on him, on them, he also gives them a robe of righteousness, which is amazing to me. Which means this, all of the stains of sin that has marked our lives, those things have brought pain in our lives. Those things that have brought embarrassment to our lives. And the destruction of our lives is not only covered, but they are removed forever from our lives. Please hear me. The revelation that is given by us by Isaiah concerning Christ paints a very clear picture of what it means to walk with the garments of salvation. If you were to read Isaiah 61, it's a passage that many of you are familiar with. It is a passage of scripture that actually when Jesus was ministering in the temple in the synagogue one day, he walked in and he picked up the roll. So happened, it was open to the place of Isaiah 61 and he stood and he read. And he read these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to point unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Get this, that he might be glorified. There is a glorifying of the Lord that is going to take place in this last hour in which we're living. And it comes because of the garments that the church is wearing. If you go a little further in that same chapter, Notice this. This is a word that should cause everybody in this room to shout because everybody's been through stuff. It simply says that when you begin to go through this and you'll find that there are those that to come. When he was speaking and Isaiah was prophetically speaking, he said, there are those that will come that will build the old waste places. He said, they shall raise up from the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, desolations of many generations. But then in verse number 7, it says, for their shame you shall have double. And for your confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double everlasting joy shall be unto them. What he's saying is this, there's coming a day when Christ comes that he's going to bring some garments with you that's going to clothe you and you're going to look different. You're going to experience something different than what you currently have. Can I tell you, we're living in that day. What he is saying to all that trust in Christ as their Savior this morning is that when he comes, if you'll allow him to, he will reclothe you with garments that have been made ready in the heavenly realm 
for you and I to wear in the earthly realm so that he can get glory through our lives that we live for him. As they come to the music this morning, I'm going to start bringing this to a close. Our Bible shows us the necessity of prayer. Everything that I have said up to this point brings me to this place. A verse that many of you probably can quote from memory. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The altar of prayer is not a place that we should visit. It is a place that we should dwell. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 17, pray without ceasing. One great man of God before us, he said, I seldom pray more than a half hour at a time, but I never go a half hour without praying. Think about it. Isaiah 56 and verse number 7 makes it very clear. My house shall be called the house of prayer. How many knows you can't be called a coffee house unless you sell coffee? You can't be called an ice cream parlor unless you serve ice cream. You can't be called a house of prayer unless there's prayer present. He says, my house, here's the deal. This is a very serious question we must ask. And I understand that we're saved by grace, that it's not by works. I I get all that. But the question is, if we acknowledge the truth concerning God's word, that he does not dwell in houses made with men's hands, but he dwells in this house. Paul says that we are the temple of God. If this is where he dwells, then if he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, if there's no prayer here, then this this can't be his house. Think about it. If there's no prayer here, listen, I understand prayer is very vital here. But if there's no prayer here, then the question must be asked, is this really his house? You say, oh, now you're getting, too, you're getting too close to me, preacher. No, listen. We have believed the lie of the enemy that says all, and it's amazing when you look at statistics and surveys with the how the modern Christian thinks. Well, that's the responsibility of the preacher. That's the responsibility of this one. No personal responsibility put listen I'm not responsible for your house I'm responsible to help lead you and develop to equip you and to help edify you by the Holy Spirit but you're responsible so is this house a house of prayer and I'm not saying Lord, thank you for the food today. Amen. Do that, yes, for sure. But that's not a house, that doesn't designate this to be a house of prayer. You say, but preacher, 
I'm this, I'm that, I'm busy. I, I listen, there, I, I have no, I ha, and, and I say this with all of the love in me, I have no appetite for excuses. Because can I tell you today, we make time for what's important to us. And if it's important for us to be in the presence of God and for God to have his presence in our life, we will be people of prayer. But you and I got to understand something. Isaiah would have never been clothed in the power and the authority and the revelation of the Holy Spirit that he had and walked with and operated in if he did not spend time alone with God. He said, I... He said, I rejoice in the Lord because he hath clothed me in garments of salvation. Can I tell you, there's multiple garments. How many think we don't have to wear the same garment every day? If you only had one garment, guess what? There's going to be a time in your life that you're going to be naked because you've got to take that thing off and wash it. I'm glad I don't have to ever be naked before the Lord today. Because there's multiple garments. He says, come into the changing room. I'll change. Listen, how important is these garments that he makes for us? You can't sit with him unless you have them. Don't matter how many good deeds you do. Doesn't matter how many times you pay it forward at Taco Bell or McDonald's or whatever. Don't matter how many, how many good deeds you do. We should do that. But if you read in your Bible, you'll find there's a story in the Gospel of Matthew. There was a wedding that was prepared. They said, go and invite all of these people to come in. And You've heard that story. But then they said, well, we're busy, don't have time. So he said, go compel them to come in. Go to the highways and byways, bring them in. But you know, when he invited them to come, according to custom, when you would come in for a wedding ceremony, you can read this in the book of Matthew. They would come in. The one that was providing the celebration, when you'd walk in the door, there was a changing room before you ever went to the banquet hall. Not only if you received an invitation to this wedding ceremony, there was a garment that was specifically made ready for you at that time. And whatever you had wore coming to that event, you would stop at the changing room and you would put on the garment that that house had provided and then you was permitted to go on in. But when you read this account in Scripture, can I take the time to read it to you this morning just for a moment because I think it's so important. In Matthew chapter number 22, it says that, verse number 11, when the king came to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. I want to pause there before I read the next one. You may think, well, it's not that big of a deal today, but there's going to be a day that you will have no defense. 
for choosing to wear what you want to wear. To refuse to put on what God has created for you to put on. It says, then said the king at verse number 13 to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God doesn't play. Yes, he's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. But also he's this. He's a God that says when I create something and I don't force you to do it, but if you choose to rebel against it, then there's certain things you just can't participate in and be part of. Notice. At this point, he was simply saying, there has to be a garment present. Paul writes to Timothy, final words are important. I've told you that multiple times over the years, but in one of his final letters, final writings, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he says, I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, that they'd just be praying people. He understood the importance of having the garments of salvation. We must return to the place this morning, men of God, women of God, where our lives are reflecting our Father. Knowing this, that our old man must be crucified and done away with, and the new man must be present. I have many more pages of notes I could give you today, but I'm going to end here. We must become attractive again. Why must we come attractive again, preacher? It's because Friday in an elementary school in Virginia, a six-year-old boy took a gun and shot a staff member. We need to be attractive again. Why must we be attractive again? It's because one of the top Grammy-winning engineers of Nashville worked with all kinds of artists, but especially a lot of gospel artists, four-time Grammy Award winner, gifted and talented because of mental illness. The day before, his, fa- his brother had been found dead in his car. He couldn't cope with it. I don't know all of the details. No one really does. But it caused him to have a meltdown, so to speak. And we find that this man that was loved by many began to act in an unacceptable manner. And the Metro Police Department of Nashville received a call of a hostage situation. And they come to his house and cause of the activities they had to take his life a man that was loved by many had all of the accolades of the world great success he had heard groups such as the Isaacs and many others that talk and sing about the goodness of God the grace of God the power of God but yet he was so desperate 
so stricken, so sick. Wasn't able to get to him. I have to ask the question, and this is not a judgmental question towards anybody that was around him in his life, is just what kind of garments was the church wearing that he saw? There is such a spirit of desperation in our world today. And I know that's painting with a broad brush, so let me paint with a small brush. There is so much desperation within our own families. But yet we're the men and women of God that has the power and the ability. to Get this, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken this mortal body. That's a lot of power, folks. But yet our families are in bondage and enslaved to sin. Is it possible? Is it possible that we've lost the garments? Have we become so unattractive to the masses of our family because they see us, and this isn't in a natural way, term this is a spirit they see us wearing the same garments that everybody else is wearing I can tell you as a five-year-old boy that didn't know right from wrong honestly at five years old sitting on a platform at 25th street with a little Yamaha guitar that had I knew G and could halfway make a C chord and tried to make a D sometimes but I could remember when I would look back those white swinging doors at the back and I'd see Scott Smith walking in with his Martin guitar case, bright blue, and it was just like, damn, it's just, (sighs) he wasn't perfect. He went coon hunting when he wasn't supposed to, out of season, all those things. Listen, I I ain't gonna rat you out too much. He wasn't perfect. No, 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 no. But he had a garment of salvation. And he was so attractive to me as a five-year-old boy that I didn't understand it all, but I said, I want to be like him. How many five-year-olds looking at you and me that says, I want to be like him? I want to be like her. Why is it that all of their idols have to be those that's doing all of the things of the world instead of those that's in the church? Our garments are important. But I can't walk with power. I can't walk with an attractiveness unless I first become willing to go to that place of prayer. So you say, why are you asking us to pray? Why are you asking us to fast the first 21 days of this this year? It's because I just want you to become attractive. I'm not trying to take anything from you. I'm just trying to get you positioned to a place where the God in heaven can come out and say, did you know I had this in my closet for you? Did you know I had this stored just for you? Listen, I got, a, I got a couple grandbabies, and I can tell you this. They have no danger of being naked. We just went through Christmas. 
Debbie went to a ball game yesterday in Stanford, Kentucky for a little boy, that, our little nephew. He had to go support him. You know, got to drive three and a half hours just to go watch a ball game. But I never realized that at the basketball games in Kentucky, they sell little baby girl clothes. <laughs> Didn't know that. Because when she walked in, she pulled in last night. She said, my car's loaded down. What in the world? I mean, there's this old bag, pack of clothes. It's in, what's all this? Oh, that's for that's for Blakeland. See, little Blakeland, she doesn't know. She don't she don't know that they're hanging in Papaw's closet this morning, but Papaw's got them for her. See, you don't know what he's got hanging in the closet of heaven. But Blakeland will be here Friday night. And when she gets in the presence of her papa, Grams don't know this yet, but this is how it usually works, so she should understand. Papa goes to the closet, grabs it, says, Looks what papa got you. <laughs> hey, we're one, right? That's what I said. See, in my presence, I have something. But she can't get them until she gets in my presence. When we get in his presence, there's some things he has. Oh. And I tell you what, she's always pretty, but when you put her in something new, she just becomes all that more attractive again. You getting ready to get beautiful. See, Debbie would be, she can't hear me. Her birthday's tomorrow. She's knocking on the door 50. I never realized I'd be married to a grandma, but yeah, I am. Don't tell the whole story, me. But I tell you, as a grandma, she's still attractive. Right. So see, it doesn't matter what the world brings at us and what we go through if we just let him close us we're still attractive and we can touch a world as we stand all over the house this morning can I tell you today here's what God wants to do can I get my sound guys to help me real quick can I get you to just change and just drop off those first two letters of that second word right there please when you and I make the decision as we are at the beginning of this year we can get rid of what has been and we can become the attractive bride so I ask you this morning are we willing Are we willing to allow him to clothe us, to make us? Now, I say this this morning that you can verify what I'm going to say with some of these young girls probably because some of them just recently went through it. Making those wedding dresses fit just how they thought they needed to 
there was some uncomfortable moments. There was some discomfort getting them all prepared. But they would stand here today and tell you, oh, it was worth it. There may be some discomfort. There may be some uncomfortable moments when we get in the presence of God and God begins to talk to us and begins to take some things off of us and just put some new things on us. But I believe you'll be able to say the same thing they say. You know, it was worth it. Because he's got something good. And we're getting ready to become attractive again. There's a world that's getting ready to see his glory. This morning, just for a moment, nobody looking around, nobody moving around. Maybe you're here this morning under the sound of my voice and you'd say, you know what, I, I hear you this morning, preacher. I've been wearing my own garments. I know there's some things that he's asking of me and some things he's placed in my heart, but yet I've just not really, I've just really not really allowed him to continue working on me as he desires. If that's you this morning, there's no time like the present right now. Then to say, I'm coming. I'm coming, Lord, for you to dress me as you did Isaiah. Jeremiah 2 and 32 says the garments, the attire is necessary. He said because there's, a, there's something significant about it. And he said my people's went many days without speaking to me. Let that come to a close right now this morning. I wonder if there'd be one that would acknowledge today. It said, Lord, today's the day that I'm changing. It's not for works-based purposes, but it is for the fact that, you know what, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to let him dress me. I'm going to let him talk to me. But you'd say, I desire more. I desire something fresh. As they just begin to minister in song right now, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to open the front of this building just... This altar is always open, but I'm going to give you a special invitation right now to do the greatest thing that man has ever been given to do, and that is the privilege to talk to God. So I'm going to ask you, if there's a need in your life, I want you to come. If you just want to spend some time with him this morning, I want you to come. But today he loves you. And he has some garments for you. He has some new things for you. But you can't get possession of them unless you get back to a place where you're in the changing room of heaven. So this morning, can we just have a time of old-fashioned prayer?